Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Emil, and you're listening to another episode of Emil in the Morning at Night. Episode 28, featuring Mr. Mars Balisaka. Okay, I'm gonna get into my week real quick before this episode starts rolling. This week has been particularly tough for me, as far as making any headway with my backlog of episodes for the podcast. You know how I mentioned before that my laptop was acting up slightly? Yeah, it's happening again, but a lot worse. I should really get this thing checked out already, or at least get around to cloning my hard drive to the HD my friends gave me for my birthday or something. But yeah, besides my laptop freezing every time I try to do anything fun or productive, I've finally been able to play a bit of Street Fighter V with my friends. Oh man, I was really jealous that everyone was on it the day it launched, but I think now that I've touched it, I'm in an even more sorry state because now I just want to play it even more. Man, that's really the thing with fighting games, huh? I'm completely missing out on what is the perfect time to be playing a lot of Street Fighter V. Cause you know, usually when you get on a fighting game that's been around for a while for the first time, the most probable scenario that's gonna play out is you getting consistently blown up with you having absolutely no understanding what's happening. That's happened to me a bunch, especially with Smash actually. Smash 4 was my first ever Smash game, never touched any of the previous iterations. I know, insane, right? But yeah, before I get into a massive tangent about Smash, it's the perfect time to be playing some Street Fighter V while everyone's still getting to grips with it. So I'm really itching to get myself a copy of it somehow. Man, no PS4 and I don't even know if my laptop can take it, especially in the sorry state it's in right now. Well, the most I can do is I'm going to try to play as much Street Fighter as I can at my friend's place so I don't miss the boat super hard this time. Okay, that's been mostly it for gaming, you know, besides me still being stuck playing the occasional Binding of Isaac run. Anyways, let's get to talking about this week's episode. Episode 28 featuring Mars Balisakan. Mr. Balisakan is an independent game developer from Synergy 88 Studios who's worked on a whole slew of games from mobile to AAA development. He's one of the developers I got to have a proper sit-down conversation with during the Global Game Jam. Had a great time talking to Mars, we talked about a whole sorts of shit from his roots in DOS games, his feelings about the industry, and even us talking about our days in World of Warcraft. If you enjoy stuff like this, I'll be bringing you conversations about life in video games every week, so don't forget to subscribe if you can. I have two more of these in the hopper actually, interviews from the Global Game Jam to release I mean, so there's that to look forward to as well really helping me out with working on my backlog with the whole, you know, laptop situation. But anyways, let's get down to this week's episode, yeah? Here's Emil in the Morning at Night, episode 28, with Mr. Mars Balisakan. Okay. There's always the first time. Okay, there's always the first time that's happened. And I was monitoring it. That's the ridiculous part. That is the super ridiculous part. Okay. Right, let's do it again. Take two. Are we ready? Go. No, I'm asking myself. Am I? Are we ready? Are we ready? Tanga bako again? Okay, okay, okay. Ready. Game. Let's do this. Welcome to another episode of Meal in the Morning at Night where I talk to interesting people over a cup of coffee at night. And tonight, joining us today again, because this is our second time recording this, because I am an idiot for not turning on the mic is Mr. Mars Balisakan. Mr. Mars Balisakan is an independent game developer, designer, and producer who has worked on casual games, mobile games, online multiplayer, and AAA titles. Introduce yourself, man. Hello, everyone. Hi, 
my name is Mars. So I've been in the local game industry for um, the past 10 years. I've been working with Gameloft, Level Up. Some of the few companies I work with, I've also helped start up a couple of um, startup studios. So small-sized companies. I've been leading a couple of game dev teams for the past several years. Yeah, that's about it. Okay, that's super cool. Um, also joining us today is our seasonal co-host, Ares. Introduce yourself, man. Hey guys, I'm back. Yes, you're back from our very emotional episode with Carlo yesterday. I know, right? <laughs> Okay, today we are here at the Global Game Jam 2016 here at Ateneo de Manila. We're actually on day three already and Mars joins us here today. So, um, is this your first day here at the Game Jam? Uh, at this Game Jam? Yeah, yeah. Were you here like the past two days here I at Ateneo? I was here last Friday. Last Friday. Friday. So you only weren't here yesterday. Yeah. So how has the game jam been so far in the eyes of like someone who has like 13 years of experience here in the games industry? I've been joining game jams for the past five years and it's greatly improved since I first joined. Uh, the first game jam I joined was in Benilde. Uh, oh, we're wow. Doing, okay. We're doing it here in Ateneo uh, this time. And um, the size of the participants has greatly improved. The tools being used by developers has also improved. I think there's a lot more uh, people excited Mm -hmm, we have mm -hmm. a lot more sponsors this year. Yeah, it looks like yeah. you guys are very well sponsored. It's like actually pretty impressive how well organized this event is. I mean, like it's a global event, right? And you yeah. guys just coordinate with a global organization. How has that been, coordinating with a global organization? Are you part of the organizers, things yeah. like that? It's not that hard. I mean, we get to communicate via email. And, okay. um, <clears throat> since it's been an ongoing event for, for the past 10 years, past several years, I think things are pretty still the same. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, we just get to coordinate like um, when to announce because we're, we're working in different time zones so we just tell each other when to announce and don't post anything on social media. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember when they um, introduced the theme, right? They were very specific saying that don't talk about the theme on social media yeah. yet because kailangan nakasync lahat ng game jam sites natin. Yeah. Actually, speaking of the theme, the theme ritual, what did you think about that? Pretty interesting. Like, for the past few years, I've heard of themes like Heartbeat or... Heartbeat? Heartbeat. <laughs> okay. It wasn't even mentioned Heartbeat. I mean, they just played an audio file, an audio Oof. clip. Oh, oh that's pretty cool. And we had things like, um, I, don't know, I keep forgetting, but uh, I think for this year, the theme was really awesome. Um, there's a lot of things that I, I've seen. I've been going around the exhibit floor and I've seen like people working on patterns, people working on crazy stuff like defining rituals as morning rituals. So oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had some very differing interpretations yeah. from human sacrifice to brushing your teeth. Brushing right? your yeah. teeth to going to work. <laughs> uh, actually, actually. So, like, how do you think... Um, um, this batch of participants, uh, like seeing their work so far, how do you think they're tackling it? Like I have yet to see a lot of their work, but how do you think they tackled it? It's pretty intense actually. I've been going around and um, I've heard from the other organizers that 80% of the participants this year are students. Oh, right, ah. right, 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 right. Yeah. So it really gives us a fresh look on how students approach an event like this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's like all the originality and the creativity is there as compared to professionals. Who have ready set yeah. ideas yeah. and yeah. like that, yeah. expectations. And who are used to working with our requirements and systems. Uh -huh. And I mean, like, you are a veteran game developer, right? Around 13 years in the industry. That is a pretty long time in the industry. I mean, from someone who is such a veteran in this industry, what do you see for the future of the games industry here in the Philippines? It's still gonna get big. I mean, it's changed a lot okay. for the past 10 years. I mean, the community was really small and there were like only a couple and a handful of people who really knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but since the introduction of Unity, the demographic of game developers really blew up. And locally, 
we're still going up that ladder towards independent game development. Yeah. And um, from what I've seen, a lot of us are doing like 2D, really artistic games. I've been to international events like GDC, IGF, uh-huh. and I've seen I've seen and kind of like compared how we were in the Philippines mm-hmm. internationally. We're still getting there, although we do have a couple of people like Barry. Yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're going to interview later. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that interview very much. It's actually amazing that nowadays we do have this growing community that you know when like a grassroots company or a developer is starting we have these guys to go to and actually ask for help or advice on how to do things we have someone we can relate to because like back then like imagine like from your perspective like 13 years ago it's way different now right 13 years ago how did you get into game development without these, these veterans around there were a lot of people I know who are in the industry actually started out by just you know, self-studying. So there, were, there weren't any schools, there weren't any books back then. Uh, we all relied on forums. <laughs> forums? Yeah. Oh, forums. wow. Okay. So you guys were a big fan of the BBS? Are that we? is kind of too early okay. back we're, in the day. We're not that old. Okay, okay. Yeah. Mess forums naman. Hindi naman BBS. Yeah, you guys are really getting your age. That's kind of too early 90s. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Hindi BBS. Yeah. Forums. Like what forums were you guys into? Well, there were uh, forums specifically intended for the development tools oh, yeah? like uh, Unity, Unreal, Game Salad. Okay, um, there's some familiar names in there. Yeah. You know, on their websites, they offered uh, ways for developers to communicate, to ask questions. That was pretty much our learning process back then. We just asked around. So self-taught lang talaga, no? Yeah. Oh wow, that's pretty impressive. Okay, so we've talked about the game jam so far. We've talked about you starting as a developer and things like that. But what about Mars today? Who is Mars? I mean, like, um, what makes you you? Why are you into games? Well, um, I mean, it, it's safe to say that a lot of game developers here, of course, love games. Of um, course, yeah. I mean, um, I'm pretty sure everyone in this room loves yeah. games. <laughs> it's like, if um, not, they, they must be in the wrong venue. They are in the wrong venue. <laughs> <laughs> Probably looking at game developers like um, specific artists, like musicians. Okay. Uh, there's a kind of like an analogy I have. Okay. Um, share some philosophical insight. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like this stuff. Each yeah. Artist, each game developer has their own take on what to create what they can do to inspire or yeah. to impress other people right so uh, for me personally I'm trying to head towards um, doing multiplayer stuff and doing 3D stuff multiplayer so all right. I've been in the casual mobile gaming industry for a few years I've, I've started during the first generation iPhone so pretty first long generation. time yeah. yeah that's a pretty long time yeah, so right now I'm kind of like um, really I feel like I've, I've done too much mobile casuals so, ah, so you want to get back to your roots yeah shit like that yeah uh-huh. So right now, I'm trying to uh, lead a team, trying to give it an impression that, you know, guys, internationally, here's where we're headed. We're doing a lot of artistic indie games. Uh, you guys have of, your roadmap going on. Yeah, a lot of awards are being given out to 3D games. So I'm really trying to push my team. Let's go 3D. Let's do multiplayer. Let's enter competitions. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that sounds <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So right now, um, yeah, that's my main drive. We want to head towards international events, IGF, Casual Connect. Mm-hmm. We want to win awards for the country, get recognized as, you know, a team that can actually compete globally. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, you mentioned that you've been in the mobile gaming industry for quite some time. Like, I haven't been interacting with the local games industry here for very long. We just started the podcast in August. We're still learning, but I'm very thankful to have met so many cool people within the industry. But now that you've mentioned mobile gaming, like, upon my experience, like, most of the people that I would come across here in the local game development industry have their roots in mobile 
gaming. Is that a majority thing here in the Philippines? Do we mostly work on mobile games? So far, I mean, the output of the industry for the past two to five years, so far, yeah, I would say. Mm. A, lot, a lot of those people who are actually putting up startups, even the bigger companies, I mean, I've heard that like a lot of uh, bigger companies wanted to invest in mobile games. Yeah. Um, so I would say, yes, people do recognize uh, the potential of mobile, and I'm pretty sure it's not going away. Yeah, yeah. for sure. When you talk to gamers these days, they have this idea that mobile is like this like okay just to get it straight if you're an old school gamer and like you grew up on shit like Final Fantasy the PS1 the SNES the Genesis that kind of stuff and you're faced with the mobile games industry usually the general consensus on the internet is that oh mobile games suck mobile games <laughs> mobile games ano ka, casuals you know, yeah. and like I'm not a fan of that sort of like exclusivity but at the same time there is that stigma that mobile games do not comprise a full game. What's your take on that? Well, a lot of times I've thought of it as still a business. Yeah, for um, sure. I mean, like, that's something we have to take note of. Take note of and, like, inform everyone. It's a business. Uh -huh. Yeah. So when you talk about mobile games, it's not just about targeting specific demographic of mm -hmm. players. Of course, of course, you want to monetize and you want to do something good for mobile users. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Are... I mean, like, there's that, that whole explanation of that whole phenomenon is that, you know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's, uh -huh. it's a different market. Because, like, one of the interesting opinions that I actually really like about this sort of issue is that we're opening the gaming market to a much broader audience and these mobile games can be seen as a gateway. I kind of agree. Um, I've always seen mobile games as something easy to penetrate. The business of doing mobile games has always been like a lot of tools are out there. A lot of people have already started on it. Uh -huh. uh, it's easy to go into. On the other hand, like what we were talking about a while ago, like people who came from the younger, uh, I mean the older generation. Yeah, yeah, the much Final, older yeah, generation. Final Fantasy players, <laughs> Counter Strike, Dota players. I mean, yeah, not a Dota too. The original Dota. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dota, old school. Yeah, frozen, it's a frozen Dota. throne. Yeah. Oi, oi, oi. So on the other hand, you have that demographic, and I'm sure a lot of people want to play those kind of games but entering that kind of business is very different from entering a mobile game business yeah I mean yeah, like exactly is it more accessible let's say the barrier for entry is higher higher really um, okay not just on a skills level but also on a, on a business level because you need a lot of revenue I mean a lot of capital to come up with a studio like that oh so you're talking about the bigger games yeah yeah okay okay right. I like we had it mixed up <laughs> right, right. so um, now that we're talking about that kind of stuff I mean like Warcraft Frozen Throne that kind of <laughs> <laughs> the games we grew up with like I'm just curious because like, you've been in the industry for 13 years you seem to be very opinionated about this kind of stuff like what type of stuff did you grow up with um, without <laughs> revealing my age <laughs> oh okay 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 I, I we will try not to reveal your <laughs> age through the things you love but what did you love alright um, this is gonna be a no-brainer but um, I started with DOS games actually DOS games DOS, DOS games. games wow that does reveal some age <laughs> yeah we can always say that he's just you know a pure retro gamer pure pure you might have to Super Mario Jan, the true retro. The true retro. <laughs> ano, nagboot ka ba ng DOS? <laughs> Nag-install okay. ka ba ng games through floppy disks? <laughs> yeah, Mario in a family computer. I mean, years after I tried games on DOS. Like what games on DOS did you play, actually? Um, I tried the original LucasArts games. Like oh, Mini yeah. Mini Mansion, Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. A couple of big hit games back then, like Shara-made games. Kings, yeah, yeah. Kings Shara, Shara games. fucking, um, what's that? Loadrunner? Yeah, you ever Load, play Loadrunner? Load yeah. yeah, man, fuck. There are also, like, really nice 
yeah. like storytelling games back then yeah. too. Yeah. Monkey Island was in floppy yeah, disks back then. I remember right, one right, of right, the right, yeah, right. yeah. Who knows? Lisa Richard Larry. Yeah. These are Lisa Richard <laughs> Larry. Dude. Oh man. Yeah. Were you old enough for that back then? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the humor back then, like you could get away with a lot of things, you know, Leisure Suit Larry. I guess we still have games like that today. Uh-huh. In, in the form of trying to revive mm-hmm. all the classics. Mm-hmm. All the classics. Grim Fandango. Okay, yeah. that is the first time when I ask about like what they grew up with and shit like that. I think you're the first person to tell me those games. Is that like an important part of your life? Is that like an integral part of what made you a developer? Yeah, definitely. Because uh, game development and even the design of games is really different back then. Yeah, for sure. Um, it wasn't really trying to hard sell themselves. Mm-hmm. Like nowadays, like you have to make everything for the audience. Back then, it was like mostly storytelling. Mm-hmm. So, so like Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah, D&D. yeah. The yeah. original D and D. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like back then, it was all about mechanics, storytelling, that kind exactly. of stuff. There was no um, spectacle creep, as <laughs> we like, call it nowadays. Or like a, a real money shop. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Actually, you know what? We talked about the mobile game sphere and everything like that, and we've talked about like you growing up on MS DOS. But now that you mentioned it, Ares, <laughs> the money shop—that's actually something I'd like to discuss. Since we were talking about mobile games a while ago, and you know, mobile games tend to have this habit: like it's free to play, but there's usually a mobile shop that. You can buy actual things for money. What's your opinion on that type of business model? Depends on the execution, I guess. Uh, there are a couple of games that do it really well. Yeah, 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 yeah for of, sure. Yeah, and a couple of games that really try to push it, yeah, yeah. squeeze everything out of you. Like some other studios out there can be very dirtbaggish when yeah. it comes to their tactics. It's kind of hard to find a sweet spot for that. Yeah. It is, but that's where the design comes in. It's such a massive problem for me because like, I believe in mobile, but like when it comes down to monetization, there can be a giant debate on how to go about it. And like we said a while ago, it's a business. Yeah. So this is important. This is livelihood. This is the lives of several people online. O- online. online. O- on the line. <laughs> on the line. So when it comes to monetization and the cash shop nowadays, do you think this is a good progression? Do you think this is going somewhere better? Or do you think it's always going to be like this? I think designers and studios are always faced with the challenge of trying to find the right balance. We've seen a couple of games who are really trying to inject okay. like ads and try to um, monetize everything and then we, we've seen other games who we feel that they're doing it right like Hearthstone to give an example Hearthstone I yeah. fucking love Hearthstone so much yeah. okay yeah but, but you never felt that it was trying to be a yeah shop, indeed right? I, I never felt yeah. the dirt bagginess there yeah, right. actually yeah it's really a matter of pulling the right design for the mm-hmm. game do you play Hearthstone? I play Hearthstone ah yeah what do you run? Secret Pally <laughs> is it a Secret Pally? Murloc no. Pally am I gonna hate you? <laughs> no seriously though because nice. like Hearthstone is one of those great examples of how great a mobile game can be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like it's so nicely optimized. Like a one hour session of Hearthstone, how much does that detract from your data plan? <laughs> Minimal. Like hardly five megs, yeah, right? Yeah. It's really amazing. Like I really wonder yeah. why other studios don't take notes from Hearthstone. I'm sure they're taking notes, but it takes time, you know? What's your opinion on that? Like what makes Hearthstone such a good example of a mobile game? Designwise, I think it's picking up from a lot of rules and a basic setup for from traditional collectible card games like okay. Magic mm-hmm. the Gathering coming from a perspective of a Magic the Gathering player so I think uh, they were really trying to simplify things for Magic players they're easily recognized hey, like it's, it's, it's a card game right? mana, yeah. curves yeah. they understand like these yeah. things yeah. Uh-huh. Right. they made it really simple and easy to understand for casual players I think that's where they did it right I actually um, love their tutorial as well the tutorial was fun yeah really yeah, good totally. but if you think about it it's the whole idea of opening expansion packs yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That, you know how they animated that pack opening oh it's yeah 
yeah. really fucking satisfying, right? Especially if you find like like a legendary or something. Legendary. <laughs> legendary. Golden. <laughs> the concept isn't new, right? The concept yeah. is not we new know, at all. We know how it is to open expansion packs in real life. Yeah, yeah. It's so fucking satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> yung mga tipong bibili ka ng booster for magic, tas nararamdaman mo kung may yeah. foil ba. Yung yeah, yeah, you pick between the packs which one is heavier. Oh. This feels like it has a foil inside. Ano yung mas mabigat? Ano yung mas makapal? Like, yeah. yung mga ibang tao sa card shop, magkakaroon ng science eh. Like, yeah. Ah, siya, siya. He picks foil packs 90% of the time. Uh, sobrang kalokohan. Yeah, it's like really satisfying and shit like that. But like, you know, I'm very confused because I used to be a Blizz fanboy. I quit World of Warcraft. But like, nowadays, I'm starting to become a Blizz fanboy again. You know what I mean? Because like, they won me back with Hearthstone. They won me back with like, um, the hype of Overwatch. And right now, you know, they're also winning me back with Heroes of the Storm. And the main thing that we're talking about while go monetization, I'm really happy how transparent Blizzard is with their eShop. I mean, like, how do you feel about that? Because Blizzard does it very interestingly. Because usually, when it comes to an eShop, you're given magic currency or like yeah. diamonds or diamonds, like yeah. bison dollars, you know, shit like that. <laughs> you're usually given a fake currency to represent your purchases at the eShop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But with Heroes of the Storm, they actually outright slap dollars a price tag on it. Okay, Rainer, $9. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about that? That kind of transparent pricing strategy. I think Blizzard um, did it right by trying to recognize the experience. Uh-huh. With, um, okay. For example, if you're trying to look at, um, uh, did, probably they did a lot of research on how players would actually feel when doing or being presented with some things and uh-huh. identifying like what's a bad experience and what's a good experience for the player. Like for example, we were talking about the feel of opening expansion back in real yep. life. Yeah, 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 yeah. They had to pin that down and put it on a digital game and they know how to cater to that kind of feeling, feeling for the player. Yeah. <laughs> and that's something that they're doing right. So I think on a design perspective for a lot of games, I think that's where a lot of studios are lacking. They don't really identify what's a good feeling for the player. So huh. on a design perspective, it's always about the experience, the player experience. What's a good player experience? Oh, that's really good, man. Because like a lot of the time, when people have an opinion on Blizzard, what they're gonna say is like, ah, maganda lang yan kasi ang rami nilang pere. But like you're saying that Blizzard, through their years of experience, actually have a keen understanding of the player experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh, that's super cool. Okay, we are here in Emil in the morning at night. We are talking with Sir Mars. Really enjoying the conversation so far. So far, we've talked about the global game jam. We've talked about your past. We've talked about all sorts of shit. We've talked about Dota. Mobile games. Mobile games. Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering. <laughs> Toss games. Opening booster packs and shit like that. But we shall be back after a few messages here on Emil in the morning at night. Be right back, guys. BRB. You're listening to Emil in the morning at night. Honestly, I don't have much to say here just yet, but if you have any ideas or if you would like me to talk about your stuff in this section, send us an email over at emilinthemorning at gmail.com. Now, I hope you guys are enjoying the show so far, so let's get right back to it. Adds to the atmosphere, Huabe. <laughs> oh, tama. Video games. I wonder if you're going to Huabe. Welcome back to Emil in the morning at night. <laughs> Do the controller thing. 
Video games, mga pare. Okay, we are back here on the meal in the morning at night. We are joined by Sir Mars again. We've been talking a lot about video games in the gaming industry, but I'd like to bring it back closer to home. Here at the Global Game Jam today, we're like, what, three hours away from them finishing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the process of creating a game like this, the Global Game Jam, I mean, 48 fucking hours, right? That's, that's to me, someone who's not a designer, somebody who has no experience within the formal games industry. It's mind-boggling how these people can make a whole game in 48 hours. How do you think they're faring? Like, what's the process when it comes to something like this for someone who has never been to a game jam? Well, of course, you can expect a lot of people are not gonna sleep. <laughs> Actually, maraming ang hindi natulog. Like, some people are knocked out right now kasi hindi sila natulog eh. It's always gonna be a tiring experience, but on the other hand, I always tell developers and people in my team, you have to join a game jam because mm. this is really the meat of the experience of developing a game. Um, ah. It's not about how much graphics you can put in, how, how much visuals you can add in, or how much data. It's all about planning. Um, mm -hmm. For me, what's right. very critical in a game jam is you have to know how to execute things properly. You exactly. have to have a whiteboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. That's what they always say, right? So cheesy, but I'm just yeah, saying. It's true, it's true, it's true. So what you're saying is the game jam really teaches you the ropes Yep. when it comes to the games industry. Yeah. Like, for example, if you we were designing any any game, like if it was projected for a month or for, uh -huh. for three months, you have to know like I mean, how much assets can you do, what can you actually do within a limited time mm -hmm. so just putting it down to 48 hours a lot of discussions have to boil down to like what we can do what teams can do how to do it properly so that during the last stretch they won't be encountering like big problems oh man and I mean like they put so many constraints on these teams I mean like there's the theme there's the time there's the number of members like six members per group if I'm correct yeah right that is pretty amazing and like this is really a learning experience for everyone here so when it comes to the global game jam here everything is happening all around the world at the same time, right? Yeah. Oh man, so by the end of this, we're gonna have like a slew of new ideas. That's yeah. pretty exciting to me. Yeah. I mean like, what do you think is gonna come out of this game jam? Just a, like as a random prediction. Um, I've seen games from previous game jams. They actually turn into actual real products. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, I think the Surgery Simulator. Yeah. That actually started as a game jam. Surgeon game. Simulator, yeah. Surgeon, actually yeah. yesterday when we interviewed Carlo, he made us aware of this fact. Pretty amazing. Actually, Carlo's speaking right now. But anyways, <laughs> let's focus on you, Mark. Now that we're talking about the game jam and like things are going on right now, game jam. But I would like to get to know you a little bit more. Okay. You're here at the game jam. You're doing your developer thing. You've been in the industry for a very long time. But like during your off time, what do you do? Like when you're not doing something like this on your free time, what um, are you into? Okay, you're you're probably gonna hate me for this, but I play World of Warcraft. Wow. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I quit World of Warcraft. Actually, no, no, no. Look, look at my mouse pad. I Exact one? Steel Series? The one from the limited edition. Oh shit. But like, this is the expansion that I quit. World of Warcraft Cataclysm. Oh man. And you still play to this day? Um, yeah, but not as aggressive as before. Usually I join raids. I mean, before. Now I'm just playing casually, trying to do my achievement run and stuff. Your garrison dailies, shit like that. <laughs> oh, you're yeah. garrison. Like, I've heard of it, but I haven't played it. But like, I try to keep up to date because I. You know, I have a big part of me stuck in World of Warcraft. Like, I spent a long period of my life. <laughs> I, I lost a long period of my life to World of Warcraft. And like, I don't know, man. Like, did you like Cataclysm? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm, I mean, 
I always look at it like um, on a design perspective, like what they did wrong, what they did right, comparing Lich King from Cataclysm and like the next few expansions. So there were a couple of good things, there were a couple of bad things. It's really a learning process. When you try to maintain an MMO for that long, it's a learning yeah, process. Yeah, I mean like MMOs, it's been like a love-hate relationship for me yeah. because I love the concept of an MMO so much, but at the same time, so many MMOs disappoint. But like World of Warcraft just offered that premium experience <laughs> of like, uh, and like, I don't know if that's the 15th dollars a month talking but like I really loved it <laughs> I wasn't really bothered by a 50 I mean a lot of people I've talked to are turned off by the $15 a month exactly uh -huh. I spend more than $15 for video this, games yeah I mean maybe even for drinking or <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, actually that is true it's I mean, only like, translated into like a monthly yeah. subscription rather than your usual expenses our barcada has a thing like whenever we talk about shit and like whenever we talk about prices like I mean, yeah. the burger yeah the burger thing because like whenever we're on steam parang shit a mahal ng video game that's tumatawa si wabe pero like hindi 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 yan mahal pare dalawang cheeseburger lang <laughs> Dalawang cheeseburger meal lang yan. Oo nga, no? Tapos bibilin namin, tapos hindi ka magkakain. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yun nga. Actually, just to get into your head a little bit more, so you play a lot of World of Warcraft, and like, I had my beefs with Cataclysm and shit like that. I'll try not to get into it personally, but like, what brings you back to it? Um... I've always been the type of player where I like to collect things like Hearthstone, like I wanted to collect a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, actually, um, completionist. Yeah, completionist. Oh, so. wait, you're a WoW player, right? Yep. Have you gotten what a long, strange trip it's been? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> High yeah. five. We both have purple proto drakes. You have no idea what that means. I have huh? never touched. Wow. <laughs> oh man, that's one of those long ass achievements where you have to do every holiday meta achievement ever. Oh god. So it takes a year to complete. If you miss out on a holiday, wait you have one to year, wait you next fucker. Year. Yeah. yeah. When I got that purple proto drake, I was so fucking happy. Then I quit. <laughs> uh, no, actually, what actually made me quit was like when they introduced Cataclysm because I'm a spread cheater. Mm -hmm. I like the spreadsheet all my shit. I love to maximize my stats. My rogue. <laughs> nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sobrang nerd. But like, at the time I was playing, the top tier was like, for rogues, was like assassination, right? Yeah. With a close second subtlety. And combat was garbage, basically. But I spreadsheeted it to turn combat into something good. So like, I was spreadsheeting it to the max. I was topping DPS meters left and right. And when they'd ask me, oh, assassination rogue? I'm like, no. Fucking combat, you motherfucker. And it's like, it's, it's like, it was just like a massive source of pride to me to like be able to work out the math and then come out cataclysm they remove armor penetration yeah <laughs> the forte of my formula and i'm just like so fucking pissed off okay i've never shared the story but i'm sounding like a massive nerd right now <laughs> okay but anyways so with the most recent expansion though what about it is nice um what is the most recent expansion i'm not warlords sure. of draenor um, draenor right. yeah. with legion coming out but i mean it's amazing that they're still working on an expansion uh -huh. it's nuts yeah I, I don't know um a lot of my online friends i mean the whole guild experience in MMOs, I'm still pretty much active. So oh man. Yeah. But um, I don't get to join them in raids and a lot of the group content anymore because I also have to deal with real life. Uh, I have my yep. kids, I have family. Yep. I don't play as um, as often as I used to. I play Hunter, by the way. So, oh. Yeah, so I still. I still, I still <laughs> okay. Uh, Hunter. No, no judging, no judging. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I think I still log in a couple of times just to like collect pets. And stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, the fun stuff, basically. The fun stuff, yeah. Okay. Before we like, okay, I got caught up. <laughs> we are on a massive World of Warcraft tangent, and it's my fault. It's completely my fault. But Actually, like, you have something in mind that would reel us back to the game jam. What? Like, I was wondering since you've always been 
looking at things in a design and planning perspective, let's say we get a game here from Game Jam, like a 48-hour concept, and we're talking about like turning it into a full-blown game, right? In your perspective, what do you think is like the ideal team composition, size-wise and like variety-wise? I'm the Dota. Hmm. No, team I'm just team curious team because team like yeah, usually yeah, yeah. we have yeah. this six-man team, 48 hours. So like the programmer, the artist, yeah, yeah. what? Like what would be an ideal team composition? Yeah, it really depends. Like, like, I, like it's kind of like asking me which is a better genre for music. So you so, really can't so answer something. Yeah. Actually, I it's mean like. like if you're gonna play classical, yeah. have a full orchestra. Yeah. Uh -huh. If you're gonna busk on the street, kahit isang instrument lang, okay ka lang eh. I see. That's a good analogy. I, I like that. That's why I, I always try to put an analogy with game dev and music. Because mm. I've been playing in and out of bands as well. So. Oh, um, that's cool. Alright. Like, you know, if you want to go for the artistic stuff, then probably give more compensation to the artist. If you want to go for something technical. You go to the programmers, yeah, maybe? Programmers, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've seen a lot of game jam entries that are heavily into story and um, the narrative the emo thing. So, oh, so oh, for so that you go for the writers? Yeah, writers, yeah, designers. It oh. really depends. There's no magic formula to it. Uh -huh. yeah. Okay, that's a really good analogy. I mean, like likening it to music and like depending on the type of music you're going for, you're gonna need a different set of people. Yeah, exactly. Good answer, Aras. Yeah. What do you think? Like, I've been getting amazing insights from people around here. It's it's just amazing that we're here. It's been a very emotional time for Aras listeners. Because, like, <laughs> since yesterday, I've yeah. been thinking about that, like, technically, you can actually make a game as long as you have the passion, of course, in the background, like, mm -hmm. read up on stuff like that. But if you think about it, anyone from all walks of life can give something, can have an input yeah. into a final product yeah. that they could share. Totally, totally. Okay, that's pretty amazing. As we are wrapping up this interview, is there anything, like, for someone just starting out in the games industry, for someone who loves games, for someone who wants to get into gaming or game design but doesn't know what they're doing yet, do you have any advice for someone like that? Um, my usual advice would be don't give up. Just don't give up. I mean, if, huh. if, it's, if okay. it's your that's passion, simple. if you think that it's your walk of life, then you just have to pursue it. Okay, that's some great advice from Mr. Mars over here. Okay, just to wrap it up, do you have anything you want to plug? Like, do you have a personal website? How would we get in touch with you? Um, your work, maybe? Your Blizzard handle? <laughs> <laughs> I'd get up into Hearthstone, mama. Anyways, yeah. Anything yeah. you want to plug? Um, I'm working for a company called Synergy Digital right now. Ah. So, Synergy, you know, okay. You can visit our Based website or our Facebook page. Just check out the games that we have. Yeah, just check up on what we're gonna produce. I think uh, for this year we're coming up with a lot of uh, new products, a lot of cool games. So mm -hmm. we're actually trying to compete internationally. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, just watch out for that. So watch out for Synergy 88 Digital. Yeah. Um, you can search for that on Google, stuff like that. What about you as a person? Like, um, recently I. Do you have a Twitter? Things like that. Um, I'm coming up. I've never been a fan of Twitter. Me but neither, we'll man. But like, ever since I started this shit, everyone's been telling me I need to have a Twitter. So I made a Twitter. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, oh, man. I've actually went into... I, I'm actually starting up my own game dev workshop. So Ooh. if anyone's interested out there... I'm interested who, in the details. Aris is interested. <laughs> if you want to learn how to make games, I'm offering like a whole holistic approach with how to get into the industry and what to do, like how to create game design and development in general. Oh. Oh, that's super cool. Yep. I'm sure my co-host here would love to ask for your number. <laughs> yeah, so you can probably check out my profile on Facebook, uh, Mars Balisakan. So, Mars Balisakan. Yeah. Just check it out. I think I have the post on my wall. So Sounds awesome. Okay, that sounds great. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to plug? Um... No, I think that's it. Okay, so we've had a great time here with Mr. Balisakan, Mr. Mars. We've talked about so many things and I'm so <laughs> glad to have had you here on the show. 
I'm pointing to you, Aris. <laughs> Say goodbye to our I'm guest. Really, <laughs> I was wondering why are you why are you looking at yeah, me? Yeah, I'm looking at you. Like we're it, closing. It's a pleasure to meet you, man. Like, it's, <laughs> I've had an amazing time, and like surprisingly enough, like technically we have the same name, so like it's amazing to have like no oh, someone else who's also Aris and Mars. Yeah, Aris being and Mars. Roman counterparts, but yeah. You're a nerd. <laughs> Come on. But yeah, like it's a pleasure to meet you, man. I'm looking forward to the workshops that you'll be handling. Okay, okay, that sounds great. Um, I hope you have a great time for the rest of the Global Game Jam 2016 here. Do you have anything to say? <laughs> You um, leaned yeah. uh, Good luck to all the participants. Um, I'm hoping to see a lot of cool games and cool products that come out for the Game Jam. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll see you around. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you for joining us for another episode of A Meal in the Morning at Night. And if you're like me, thank you for starting your day with us this fine evening. And to the rest of you people out there, a good night. Global Game Jam 2016. Can't wait. KDMU. Can't wait to play games. We're done. It's a wrap. Thank you, sir. Alright, that about wraps it up for this episode. Like I said earlier in the intro, I have two more of these interviews from the Global Game Jam on the editing docket. Hopefully I can release my two backlog episodes alongside those ones too if my workload evens out a bit. Having a ton of fun talking to all these awesome people and looking forward to talking to even more. Finally lining up my guest list for when I start running out of backlog. I can't wait to get back out there and start talking to people again instead of just sitting here editing and stuff, you know? Anyways, that was another episode of A Meal in the Morning at Night. Follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash a meal in the morning at night for announcements on when the next episode is coming out. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us at at emiltang on Twitter. That's at E-M-I-L-E-T-A-N-G. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send it over to emilinthemorning at gmail.com. Okay, that's it for the usual stuff I say at the end of these things, but before I go, I wanted to try something new. Been wanting to put some more music in the podcast, and I'm still in a pretty street fighter-y mood. So winding down the episode for us will be Neblix with Sonic Boom from OC Remix. Once again, thank you to everyone for joining us for another episode of A Meal in the Morning at Night. And if you're like me, thank you for starting your day with us this fine evening. And to the rest of you people out there, a good night. <laughs>